Welcome to APD Church. Ask Pastor Don. And if you have questions, uh, please uh, send them in. Trying to cover as many as we can. Tonight, here's the question we're looking at. Pastor Don, I'm having a hard time trusting in the promises, especially some of the ones from Jesus himself about prayer and receiving answers to my prayers. The promises seem so big and so positive, but my prayer life doesn't work that way. I ask for things and don't get them. It's starting to erode my faith. Are those promises true? And if they are, why don't they work? Can you please help me with this? Well, I hope I can. Uh, I think I know some of the promises you're talking about. Some of the big promises from Jesus, specifically relating to prayer. Here's some of the ones that I put together. I think they qualify for being promises that sometimes don't seem to work or seem hard to believe. All this comes from the lips of Jesus. I have three that I selected. John 14, 13, and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now that's a big promise. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. John 16, 23. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. I think our questioner is right. I mean, those do seem like unbelievably big and unbelievably positive and almost airtight promises. I think they're supposed to appear big and positive. I don't think Jesus is trying to discourage prayer in those words. I think he's trying to encourage our praying. He's, he's trying to lift our sights. He's trying to expand our faith and our expectations. Jesus never went around telling his faithful followers not to pray, not to ask too much. He was, he was constantly telling them all to ask in faith and to expect. But like most of the time when you're dealing with issues like this, the trick isn't just picking out a few verses. The trick is putting the teaching of the Scripture together so you include everything and say everything that the Bible says. So there's another side to consider from God's Word. Uh, the Apostle James cautions that we all, have, we all have a natural hindrance to answered prayer. I have it, you have it. It's in James 4.3. You ask and do not receive. Okay, so this is a different result. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Well, what, what's wrong? 
You ask to spend it on your passions, your, your desires. You ask wrongly because you're asking to just spend it on your desires, your passions. That to me is a fascinating verse, especially those words about asking wrongly and spending it on your passions. So apparently, if I'm not, if I'm not very careful, I can wrongly conclude that every time I have a strong inward desire, that every time I feel that desire, that's the same as praying in faith. If I pray with a very strong desire, it feels like that burning desire is identical with confidence in divine promise. After all, I'm, I'm leaning into my prayers with a really strong desire these aren't empty words. I'm really feeling what I'm praying, and that, that must be what Jesus would want. Surely that's what faith is. Enter James. Strong inward desire is not always the same as strong inward faith. Strong inward desire is not always the same as strong inward faith. Sometimes my strong desires are a help in my praying, and sometimes my strong desires destroy my praying. So that's another thing to think about. One other thing, before we look at those glorious promises from Jesus, there's this terrible tendency that's grown up in the body of Christ. Whenever those promises from Jesus, I, I only read three of them, uh, whenever those promises from Jesus are used to create an airtight prayer system. So, so, in other words, we must have an explanation when the system doesn't work as we predicted. And the easy way out, usually, is to tell the petitioner that he or she simply didn't have enough faith. That's the usual cop-out. And, and there's a bit of a problem with that diagnosis. If it isn't true that the problem was that person didn't have enough faith, if that isn't true, then it's just the worst form of spiritual abuse in the church today. And even if it is true that person really didn't have enough faith, it still isn't very helpful. I mean, if I truly lack faith, if I'm truly struggling with doubts and fears and discouragement and unbelief, the last thing I need to be told is, you know what, you're a crummy prayer as well. You don't even believe the promises of God. How does that help? That leads to nothing but deeper discouragement, less faith, more despair. So that can't be the way to go at this. Now, with all that backdrop, the words from James, the promises from Jesus, and that caution about faith. With all of that back, backdrop, um, let's look at those wonderful promises from Jesus again, real quick. John 14, 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, if this was Sunday morning, I'd be underlining there. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Then, then repeats it, 14. If you ask 
anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I'm hoping you're going to see a pattern here. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that, so it's tied to this fruitfulness that Jesus is looking for, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. John 16, 23. In that day, you will ask nothing of me, that final day. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So <clears throat> there are some variables for sure in these words. In 14, verses 13 and 14, Jesus describes asking him directly, asking Jesus directly, and he, Jesus, will answer. And then in 15, 16, and 16, 23, Jesus describes our asking as being directed to the Father and the Father answering our requests. So they aren't all the same in that respect. But there is one condition that is exactly the same in all three of those references and most of the others as well. The asking has to be in Jesus' name. Even requests that are described as being addressed to the Father, they aren't made in the Father's name. The asking in each of those three cases, with no exceptions, the asking has to be in Jesus' name. So something in me, when I read that, something in me just says, why? What is this asking in Jesus' name all about? And, and why? Why is it the one unalterable condition? And, and here... Here's my firm conviction. My firm conviction is asking in Jesus' name is the one grand safeguard to that great prayer disease that James talked about where we just ask according to our desires. So the asking in each case of the words of Jesus, with no exceptions, is to be in Jesus' name. Asking in Jesus' name isn't a condition now to shrink my prayers, if I read those words of Jesus and remember the caution from James, asking in Jesus' name is a key to safeguarding my prayers and enlarging them. So the important question seems to be, if this is the condition and if this is the safeguard, if this is what keeps praying pure and fruitful and healthy. What, what, what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? And I just want to wrap up with a couple thoughts here. A, asking in Jesus' name means recognizing that I have no access to the Father in any other way. I mean, Jesus seems to be intentionally narrowing the prayer field here. This is, this is the starting place for any praying. And in other words, I, I can't get to God the Father without the uh, justifying and adopting work of God the Son. The Holy Spirit just uh, ingrains the adopting provision 
where I pray to God as my heavenly Father with that kind of faith, that kind of trust, that kind of expectation. So this confidence is what births the cry, Abba, Father. It's the work of Jesus. So prayer, prayer essentially is Trinitarian. God cannot be reached by non-Trinitarian religions, not the God of the Bible. B, asking in Jesus' name means bringing petitions Jesus is pleased to be associated with. And so, so here I think we begin to grasp our Lord's antidote to James' deep prayer disease, where we just ask according to our passions, asking wrongly. It, it means bringing our Lord's heart to the Father's ears through our praying. We ask for those things our Lord would most deeply long to see accomplished in our lives. There's certainly room for petition. Jesus talked about that. But even there, asking in Jesus' names regulates the petitions, puts certain ones higher up than others. Here's how Jesus worded the same idea in different words, not using asking in Jesus' name, but using different words. In John 15, 7, Jesus says, if, so there's the condition, it's not conditionless, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now, this is the same as the other promises. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And I think you can see this is a huge promise but it's not left just sort of hanging there undefined. Notice that word, if, at the beginning of the verse. Jesus clearly intends a condition. My requests, as I pray, my requests are birthed and shaped by the controlling authority of the words of Jesus abiding in me. If you, my words abide in you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. I have one more important idea. C. To the extent that I feel my requests cramped and limited by that controlling condition of asking in Jesus' name, to, to that extent, my heart is still tilted in the wrong direction of just my passions, the way James describes so all of those promises we read from the lips of Jesus, they are glorious. They are big. But they're not just glorious. They're also humbling, heart-searching. They're, they're, they're loving reminders of what will make my life most fruitful and most joyful, most God-glorifying. And my natural desires don't always steer me in that direction. So, so, by all means, ask. Prayer is meant to be loaded with asking. But just remember, hear our Lord's caution against front-loading your prayers with all of your own desires. Because if I'm not very careful, those very desires may blind my own heart 
to my Lord's better loving plans, which is what asking in his name is all about. Do treasure those words from Jesus. They're actually a reminder of something God had a hard time teaching his people, even under the old covenant. Now, with all that we've studied, listen freshly to these very old words to the people of God in Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. And, and this part, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. It's safe to pray in Jesus' name and trust in his good heart. Let's pray. We do feel we're asking rightly. We do feel we're asking in Jesus' name when we pray that you'll take these words from Scripture and let them have motivating force in our lives, shaping force in our lives. Your will is better than our deepest desire until you form our deepest desire to long for your will more than anything else. And so that's what we ask in Jesus' name. Let's do the Lord's Prayer together again, church. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. God bless you, church. Love one another.